Hello and welcome to Dowdy, the podcast where me, Mariana Feijó, talk to my guests about the concept of bravery, or braveness, even just the moments where folks have been slightly out of their comfort zones. This week I was brave because I've applied for a job I'm not sure I have the right experience for, and whether I'd be good at it. If you're listening to this while reading my application for a job, you don't know when I've recorded this. I'm probably pretty confident I can do the job you're considering me for. You know that thing that we do talk a little bit about in this podcast that there's statistics that say that men will apply for a job even if they only meet like 30% of the requirements in the job application while women won't apply for a job even if they meet 70% of them. So yeah, like I'm trying to <laughs> to fight that and apply for jobs even if I don't necessarily think I meet all the, the requirements because sometimes I do, they're just not like the the kind of industry-approved kind of requirements. About this episode, it was hugely problematic in terms of tech. My internet dropped five times. After I've left the Zoom call with my guests, I immediately went to get like another net extender. So my recordings have been better, but internet is still shit. I'm on the phone to talk talk almost every single day, complaining, and they don't do anything. And like I changed providers but we're in a pandemic life can be hard sometimes let's forget about it right now because it's time for dowdy and this episode starts as it always does with my guest ruby martin introducing herself i'm ruby martin i'm a writer performer storyteller comedian anything that'll give me money uh <laughs> uh yeah, not really sure. Not sure about what 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 do people normally say when they say identify it. I feel like no one is adding a lot more to to their to to their intro uh, apart from their name and what they do. But I don't know wh- when I think about it. Like if someone asked me that question, I'd say I'm queer and not a native speaker, maybe. So I'd add these couple of things to it. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, do you want to add any other identifier or you were just asking out of interest? Um, just that I'm just that I'm a really cool person. Um, <laughs> and people I can vouch for that. Me always. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can vouch for that. You do like cool cartoons and uh, you have cool character ideas. So I think you are a cool person. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> How do you define bravery? How do I define bravery? I mean, bravery is mainly doing something that you don't want to do. <laughs> I think it's probably the simplest version of it. Um, obviously, this is applicable in all scenarios. And there's degrees of wanting to do things. You know, it's doing, it's kind of doing things even though you might not like doing them, but it's good for you or good for other people. And sometimes it's just kind of putting yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Because like, I feel, yeah, I feel it's the first time someone says it outright. Uh, it's doing something you don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it it is. Sometimes it is doing something you don't want to do. So I feel like uh, it's it's fair. And I, I've been telling people that I'm like just collating a bunch of uh, different ways to define it. And that I will submit it to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Mm-hmm. So you just gave me another point to add to it. 
<laughs> Happy to help. Have you thought about moments in your life in which you have been brave um, that you want to share with the listeners? Yeah, I think it's like, I mean, there's a lot of different moments. I feel like most people's bravery isn't like, isn't just this one big moment where, you know, you, you pull an Edward from Twilight and stop the moving car. It's more like every single day you'll do something, you know, like uh, I had a smear test recently and uh you know it's a really important thing for young women to do like that young female presenting people not female presenting it's important for people with a womb to do um but it's not particularly comfortable um particularly at my one where the lady said sorry halfway through (laughs) which i think is always a good sign um so you know and like doing things you know like doing like blood tests or stuff like that there's that sort of small bravery and sometimes it's just like talking to people like you know I'm very anxious and you know I go to every single interaction when I meet new people or even just my friends I feel like am I talking too much um you know and like I'm you know it took me a while to be confident enough just to say something (laughs) in conversations you know I feel like butting in you know, you have, when you join into a conversation, if you're anxious like me, you think, oh, I have to put in something either really worthy or really funny, or both. <laughs> Particularly if your friends are all um, brilliant comedians with hearts of gold. Um, so I think there's a lot of that kind of, you know, I feel like a lot of the moments in my life where I feel brave probably looking back on it are those kind of moments but uh I also feel like part of my brain is really um like I feel wired differently and not in the sort of edgy like I'm not like other girls way (laughs) but like I think from an early age I saw somewhere along the way something was you know the the message of um what's it uh you know you you miss all the chances you don't take I think it's been a real uh, lifelong philosophy for me to a point that I've absorbed it. So quite often I have the compulsion to put myself forward for things, even if I'm not necessarily, (laughs) if even if in my mind I tell myself I'm not really qualified to do it, but it's something I'd like to do. Um, So somewhere along the way, I was given the confidence of a middle class white man (laughs) and. uh, Which, you know, I think everyone should have. Um, And it means I've embarrassed myself quite a lot. Um, But it does mean I, I mean, I, you know, I ask for things and I've put myself forward for competitions and most of the time it doesn't pay off, but very occasionally it does. So, I don't know. Uh, I I think that's like a, a great uh, thing because I, I feel like I had to force myself to put myself out there to do stuff when I'm not confident mm. I'll be good at it or whatever. And I wonder if that's... Did you have to consciously make a choice to do that? I feel like, yeah, it was somewhere and about, I think, somewhere in my sort of pre-teens, teens that I started. Like, it it started being a thing of being in school and, like, you're not going to... You know, I'd watch programs, let's say, like Glee, the uh, seminal classic, um, and you don't get you don't get the solo if you don't audition. Uh, 
<laughs> so you know that it true, starts true. off that way. <laughs> Everyone can learn a lot from Glee. Um, <laughs> I don't know if how many people have said that. And then I think also particularly as I was in university and after I graduated and I was trying to get a job and I would do a lot of these sort of online, like not just online, I do a lot of courses online, in person and, you know, the messages always boil down half the time to the same thing, which is like you have to, you have to do stuff. (laughs) It seems so silly when you say it, but um, actually just applying the things um I kind of you know it's all this very like entrepreneurial kind of almost pickup artisty kind of speak they use half the time but you're like actually you know the reason that like the reason that private school people get further a lot of the time is because they know of opportunities and they're taught a confidence early on um you know, you go to a school where you're essentially paid, your parents pay for you to be better and to have more and better opportunities. And once you know what you're like, as a like a working class person like myself, once I started seeing that actually these people aren't better than you, they just think they are and they put themselves forward, then it was like, well, <laughs> um, obviously we should overthrow the system. Um, also a lesson from Glee (laughs) (laughs) not a lesson from Glee Um, but you realise essentially that you're not going to get the same opportunities so you kind of have to put yourself forward for any opportunity you can get you know yeah true Uh, and also uh, just I wonder uh, whenever you you said you embarrassed yourself sometimes is Mm. that the worst thing that can happen and how long does the embarrassment last um (laughs) it depends I think um (laughs) obviously occasionally in the terms of like extreme sports perhaps it's not (laughs) the worst thing that can happen um but that is the sort of stuff I don't put myself forward for (laughs) I'm not you're not gonna find me cliff diving anytime soon um in terms of embarrassment like as a teenager oh I was very embarrassing in the sense that I I had crushes all the time very intense you know the, you know the sort like you're listening to sad music on the train like this is totally me when it's like being sung by a 25 year old woman with depression about her breakup and you're a 13 year old virgin who hasn't even kissed a boy but you're like oh, I relate <laughs> um, so I felt things quite intensely so I did once ask out a boy in my school when I was 13 maybe 12 you know, because I'd been psyching myself up for this, and you know the the classic attitude: <laughs> you can't you can't get what you don't ask for. Um, except what I did was I asked him if he wanted to go out with me, and then before he could give me an answer, I immediately ran out of the building <laughs> and out of the school, <laughs> and pretty much the whole way home. <laughs> um, and I never got his answer, so... Did I'm, you not come back to school? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to assume at this point, it was probably a no. Um, <laughs> who knows, maybe he'll come back to me in 10 years. But that is... It's it's kind of, it's an embarrassment. It's, it's embarrassing in one way, because you're like, oh, looking back on it, um, teenage boys are disgusting and not worth 
not worth it, <laughs> in my opinion. But at the same time, a lot of the stuff like that, that I, you do feel an instantaneous embarrassment. But at the end of the day, I can't feel that I, I can't feel bad about putting myself out there because at least I know at the end of the day I was as stupid and ill-advised as I was. You know, it didn't, it doesn't hurt you putting yourself out there in a way that's like, you know, because eventually you'll ask some, like, you know, you you might ask somebody again, you know, with years of experience, not run out of a building before they can give you the answer and they might even say yes <laughs> you know? um yeah 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 that's exactly why i asked because i feel like uh if we are telling people that it's good to put themselves out there but there may be like a, mm. a bad outcome out of it usually the bad outcome is mm. light embarrassment or something you can get over oh, uh, yeah. whilst that's the thing. what it's you get like... from putting yourself out there may be greater yeah Yeah. (laughs) a greater thing that will make you evolve or whatever yeah you always learn something from it whether it's like don't ask out the people who you know like you know obviously firstly maybe talk or have a friendship with boys before you ask them out (laughs) if only unknown (laughs) um but you know you it's one of those things of like it's not high risk high reward but it's you have to I mean you know by putting yourself out there there is a very good chance that you'll get burnt but it's never it's never in the long term like you can always bounce back from it and there will always be another opportunity you know around the door but you're gonna kick yourself if you never ask somebody and it's like well actually I liked you too but um you know I I wasn't good at expressing it either. Sometimes you have to be the person that takes the dive. True. Also, like you've mentioned the little things in which you are brave or we have to be brave, like the blood tests and the needles and uh, (laughs) the smear test. I was never, like, afraid of uh, blood tests and needle stuff like I took my flu vaccine the other day and they made got me to answer some questions at the beginning and one of them is, are you afraid of needles? Uh, and I said no, and then the woman told me, "Still, don't we still advise people not to look, even if they tell us they're mm. not afraid of needles?" I always look because I have like a, a weird um, <laughs> need to look at what's happened uh, at the needle going mm. in my body. But the smear test, I still remember the first time I had one, mm. and so I think at the very least you have like a memory and maybe a story it's not a my memory of my first smear test is not a particularly exciting or fun one it's just a test but i feel like at the very least you get a story mm. yeah definitely i mean the smear test is a smear test um but funny enough about blood tests is that um, i'm really bad like if anyone talks about blood i get like faint i haven't fainted yet but i feel like i'm going to pass out um but my boyfriend is a type 1 diabetic, which, if you don't know, means that his pancreas doesn't produce insulin, which means he has to inject oh. insulin after um, every meal and before he goes to bed and when he wakes up in the morning. Um, so he has to inject himself at least three to five times a day. <laughs> um, so when we first met, um, it was quite interesting because he also has to do blood tests which means pricking his finger and getting a blood sample 
now they have the uh, free Libra, I think it's called, which is like basically a permanent needle in his arm that measures it. Um, so it was. It's definitely been an. It's it's a learning curve, sort of. Actually, you know, having to see him do it has kind of desensitised me a little. But he came with me when I went to get some blood tests because I was just so scared. And <laughs> there was a very lovely nurse who was like oh um women we can handle any sort of pain you know there's nothing to be scared of you know we're not scared like unlike this man here (laughs) i bet he's really scared of needles (laughs) Uh, obviously he's looking there we look at each other like oh if only she knew (laughs) but and you know (laughs) sort of things of you know getting those memories become kind of fonder ones because of the silly things like last blood test I did they gave me like a Halloween themed tourniquet <laughs> which had like little pumpkins and bats <laughs> on it which was very cute um but feels quite weird as a piece of equipment you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah on the other side of the scale have you ever not done something because you were afraid or for lack of bravery probably <laughs> In the same way, I'm sure sure there's been loads of times, in, in the same way that I, you know, I do put myself forward for quite a lot, you know, in terms of, like, job opportunities, I'm very often, like, I won't apply for jobs if I, it's like that classic woman thing of being like, oh, I don't fit, like, I only fit 70% of the criteria, so I can't apply, um, and then, you know, people with, like, one or two qualities will, um, but also, I think mainly in relationships, I think, there was a sort of... I mean, I think because I was quite, like, open-hearted as a teenager and, you know, embarrassed myself quite a lot in school and people weren't particularly nice either, it meant that, like, as an adult, I haven't been necessarily as confident um, in myself and my body and in, in thinking that people could see me that way you know um I had a sort of <laughs> very kind of you know I had my first my first relationship was about three years and then after that there was kind of a very strange year of being like this 19 year old girl who <laughs> didn't really know hadn't really ever had a real world relationship and then trying to enter dating it's just uh, <laughs> it's an absolute nightmare anyway and then when you're when you're, I mean, you don't. When you're nineteen, you think you're you're big stuff. Like you're you're, you know, you know the world now. You've been at university for a year, um, and you know, in one way, it makes you quite daring. And so, you know, like I would I would go to shows by myself because I just you know I was bored and I was like oh I'll just you know and I'd talk to comedians and stuff afterwards and like sort of make friends, but. Um, you know, when it actually came to anyone I liked after a sort of brief, a sort of brief fling early in the year, which kind of ended really badly. It was quite complicated. It meant I was very afraid to kind of, I don't want to say give myself to others, because that sounds <laughs> um, <laughs> like it's a job or I'm a sacrificial lamb. <laughs> um, but I think I was afraid to kind of have fun with people and sort of mess about a bit because I think I was so worried about um I just thought it was going to end the same way I thought I was just going to get hurt so you know 
I would, <laughs> I, I didn't have any, I've, I've still never had a one night stand. I think that's, that's probably like, there's been opportunities, definitely, but I've never been able to go through with it because I never felt comfortable with someone that soon, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> like I've only been intimate with people I've been in, you know, I felt secure enough in a relationship with. And I mean, there's lots of factors, I'm sure, you know, societal, um, you know, safety. But yeah, it take, I'm so, I've always been very cautious going into relationships because, you know, I just, I, you know, I don't like being heartbroken. Yeah. <laughs> Newsflash, <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> you know yeah i i i do know i feel like yeah relationships are a a a good feel for uh uh fear and and not doing stuff because you're afraid of heartbreak or whatever even when you didn't really have heartbreak in your life maybe sometimes it happens to me i didn't really have heartbreak but i i'm still afraid of relationships mm. so i think it's not necessarily even from your from the fact that you've had bad experiences or one bad experience that it it gets you to to that place is there anything coming up in your life that will require you to be brave for um i don't know i mean i'm kind of at a strange point in my life because i'm i'm a young 25 um <laughs> but i'm sort of because i'm currently doing a master's which has some people that are a bit older um and a lot of people who are younger than me um and you realise, I mean, it's good because, you know, having having a bit of life experience, I think, has only really improved my writing. But, um, you know, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm no longer, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm leaving my early 20s and going into my late 20s. And historically, this is a kind of strange period where TV sometimes tells you that, oh, you're in your late 20s and you've been in a relationship for a while. So, like, uh, my current relationship is coming up to four years. So it's sort of reaching the point of once I finish this master's, you know, thinking about possibly moving in together. Do we try and buy a house? <laughs> I say that with an extremely questioning tone because um, he has money and I don't. <laughs> but, you know, it's, um, you know, it's a point of like actually making a lot of kind of quite adult decisions and there's some people I know who are you know this age and then you know they're already kind of buying houses and settling down and then some people I know who are like in their sort of mid-30s who are like nowhere near that kind of stuff so it's kind of a weird time and I think you know (laughs) big I think being in a a long-term relationship as well there'll be you know there's expectations and you know decisions in terms of like uh you know what next I guess so I think those will probably be the most brave things I'll have to do is to decide what I want like you know do I want to move in with my partner (laughs) if my partner's listening to it this it's a yes (laughs) um you know but like do I want to get married when would I want to get married do I want to have children and it's a lot of questions I don't really have the answer for I feel too young to have the answer for but you know life is kind of really strange at the moment and it also feels like it's sort of hurtling past like you know it only feels the other day it was like March and this whole thing began so I don't know I think that's that's going to be probably the most brave things 
hopefully I'll have to do. <laughs> I hope. I mean, I haven't signed up for skydiving or anything, so... <laughs> Uh, someone was saying the other day that uh, during this period of time they could have like a secret baby mm. somewhere and no one will know about it because it's been almost nine months yeah. so yeah we could have had babies in in mm. isolation and no one will know about it yeah my I, I have haven't. like three separate cousins <laughs> who all secretly had babies and ba- I mean I think obviously people closer than you but because um, I most of my family live in different parts of the country like we didn't find out until there was like a picture on social media saying, oh, yep, yeah, here's here's a baby. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, so it's just sort of like, I mean, kudos to them for like not saying anything at all. But I've definitely seen a lot of sort of posts and videos of people who've just kind of either gotten pregnant or had babies in lockdown. It's been very yeah. cute, but... Um, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, and not not wanting to compare the two, because I know people usually take that as an offense. But there's also a lot of people who just adopted pets. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, my sister, um, my sister literally sent me a picture about two days ago that she's. I mean, she was trying to get. She's wanted a dog for ages, and she was trying to get a rescue dog, for, but um, it was just getting really difficult to find like a suitable one for where she lived. Um, and then she sent me a picture two days ago, um, and she's getting a puppy, and it's like, it's coming just at the beginning of Christmas, and I'm so excited. <laughs> like, I had two friends get kittens early on in lockdown, and they were so jealous I could not see them, so I'm just excited to like actually be able to meet a pet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i miss pets a lot uh i can't have them in my house uh so mm. yeah I, i'll just maybe for christmas if i do get to go back to my parents if lockdown doesn't mean that i have to stay in london by myself i will be able to uh, pet some pets uh also some of us just started a podcast which is uh, mm. an inanimate uh little baby <laughs> me, me and my me and my flatmate have currently we've got a podcast in the works that may or may depending we've we've recorded a couple of episodes it might come out next year if we want to but we also might just never release it if we don't because <laughs> <laughs> we're just we're sort of we were just so bored and because we're in manchester so we're currently in tier three so we don't really have much to do um, so we're kind of at home and we were like, we, we just got drunk one evening when we didn't have internet and came up with this idea. And so we've recorded a bunch of episodes. We might record some more. A good chunk of those episodes may never live to see the live day. <laughs> the whole series might not, but it was it's just a thing to do, isn't it? You know? Yeah, it's just like, I, I do have like a friend who, I don't know, a few years ago, so it wasn't a lockdown project, started a, a podcast about... Uh, <laughs> His his concept was to teach people how to I think this was the concept how to to perform oral sex, and has a queer uh man a bisexual man he has experience of oh. uh, all the types of genitals yeah so he would enough. be like the guru. <laughs> they recorded an episode that never came out and it never happened and I was very very sad. Yeah, why design the people what we want? I mean, admittedly, yes, releasing it in lockdown. I don't know if there's quite the right audience for it, but I'm sure there'd be a lot of very interested True. listeners. I'm just not sure how applicable it would be. 
just like taking notes for mm. once we're able to meet people and actually touch them. I'll know how to do this. <laughs> In case you've forgotten how to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there someone uh, in your like real or fictional or like a public figure or just someone in your life that you would use that as an example of bravery? I think my parents, which may be like a very cheesy, cliched answer. Um, I think both in their own ways, I think have been, and in those same ways that I talk about is like every day, but like um, my dad, for example, he, he works as like a medical clerk in a in the hospital um but he's also a union rep and you know throughout my life I've just known that he will give all you know he's given so much time and dedication for like standing up for people who needed it and like he's never been afraid of kind of telling management and you know people with power you know obviously not in the sort of just straight up you know fu way but you know he's always been he's always you know had such a strong moral compass he's the sort of person that if i'm in a moral dilemma i think about what he would do because he's always just known you know he's always he's never been afraid to stand up for what's right and for like having compassion for vulnerable people um across boards and different circumstances and i think having and it means you know he hasn't maybe he could have probably been quite high up in an nhs career if he'd been willing to kind of kiss the asses <laughs> and you know <laughs> if he hadn't been so much of like maybe a stirrer of trouble kind of thing but and i think that takes bravery you know he had he had kids and a family to support and he always has and he's worked so many hours you know, just to keep us, like, keep us fed and warm and housed. Um, but, you know, he could have earned a lot of, he could have earned a lot more money <laughs> if he'd gone higher up in the management, but he didn't because he believes in what's doing, what's, doing what's right, not doing just what benefits you. So I think he's very brave in that way. Um, and my mum, I think it's, it's kind of more personal bravery of sort of having, gone through quite a you know a very very messy split with my dad in the sense of uh you know <laughs> things happened and you know she went through a very kind of devastating heartbreak essentially and you know I sort of lived with her in the sort of aftermath of that and you know she was also very ill um and she worked and worked in a job she hated <laughs> um but she still did, you know, she went to work every day. She's never quit. Um, and, you know, she never gave up. And I think that's... So I look to both of them as, like, incredibly brave people in their own ways, I would say. And obviously all yeah. the, like, human they... rights people are very brave as well. <laughs> um, and, you know, people are, like, the big old... But I think anyone who has the bravery to stand up... Um, you know, the bravery to kind of keep going in the face of difficulty and heartbreak or family problems or money problems um, and also to stand up to those in power even if it might negatively affect you, I think, are incredibly brave. Yeah, I feel like from with your parents, both of the things you mentioned about them are things that you've mentioned about bravery on your end as well so maybe it's it made it easier for you to like go after what you wanted to do and 
be kind and yeah like uh, uh, see other people and all of that and also like on the personal side of things mm. maybe also your mom's experience uh with relationships also colored the way you live them mm. yeah definitely i'm sure a therapist would have a field day with it <laughs> <laughs> you also mentioned the 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 human rights people and stuff like that i didn't hear all that you said about it because my internet went down uh but uh, do you like uh also do you feel pressure to uh be active in like activism and stuff like that yeah i think um i mean there's you know in various ways of like what has personally affected me um you know particularly as um both a woman and someone who considers themselves working class i think you know i've read a lot about issues surrounding both of these things and how it affects you know employment statistics and i feel like i do try and share stuff i feel it's hard because of somewhat of a limited resources <laughs> um as i like to call my bank account um it's hard and but you know i do try and share stuff and i know i could definitely be better in terms of i think particularly in terms of issues that haven't that you know necessarily affected the way i live um you know particularly i think you know the whole black lives matter movement um it kind of highlighted a whole sort of range of issues that whilst I had a sort of you know you have a vague inkling of some you just have no idea <laughs> about a lot of it and it was kind of it was it was like it was hard it was hard reading all that kind of stuff to know that you know these these are just this is just horrid <laughs> this is this is awful and the system is broken and you know these people are suffering and like um you know finding out about <laughs> basically how policing uh just isn't working um so you know i try and share resources of stuff i don't know about and you know i'm very much inclined to sort of particularly on topics that i don't have that much experience of you know i'm always i always try and listen and be attentive of the people who have experienced this um yeah particularly when it comes to racism mm. and disability because i don't really have experience of either and they are really important and pertinent issues <laughs> um but you know it's always yeah. there's so much going on in the world <laughs> and occasionally you're like i'm you know you share everything you can but you know you also feel like there's just <laughs> just isn't enough <laughs> there isn't enough time there isn't enough money there isn't enough things to do and help everyone in the way you'd want to help them which I think is hard, but, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't at the same time want to make an excuse for myself to be like, oh, it's hard for me because I'm white, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah but it, it is, uh, like, people who, who know more about how uh, society works and stuff like that uh, have pointed out that uh, one of the reasons uh, this time around the protests, the BLM uh, protests and everything happened throughout such a long period of time and with so many people that are not only the people affected by by the issues at hand is the fact that we are stuck at home and we can't go to work and mm. there's less taking our time mm. our focus mm. that we can dedicate ourselves more to it and i think that's also like something that we as people and 
maybe as, as a society as well need to under to, need to think about because mm. maybe some of the things we dedicate our time to mm. is not as important as fighting for other people's rights or whatever but it's also we also can't solve everything so yeah there's like the two sides mm. to to it it's what i'm trying to say yeah uh, yeah definitely i think it's it's a problem of like I mean, the great thing about learning about intersectionality and how these different things all affect each other is realising that a lot of these problems are part of the same system, that, you know, we're basically under a sort of oppressive system of capitalism that would um, that works best when we are divided and that when we care, you know, we are made to care essentially only for ourselves and made to hoard our resources and the best way to do that is to divide people into groups and, you know, to kind of basically not offer anyone help and sort of scapegoat people. Um, and it's just kind of, it's, I mean, it's interesting time to be alive because I think some people are becoming more aware of that and how, you know, the traditional nine to five is just like, <laughs> it doesn't work and it's not working. <laughs> um but I mean, also at the same time, there's just some absolute nutters <laughs> who just, you know, kind of have, are being, you know, bought into the same rhetoric that's kind of continued to kind of keep power in those, like the hands of those who have um, way too much money <laughs> and greed. Yeah. yeah. That's like uh, maybe the, the one thing I can't understand uh, or that like my brain really needs help in getting itself around it's how we can how there's no nothing uh set up uh because we have gone through periods of uh social unrest in the past and uh, issues that made us uh, put things in place to try and not have another uh world war because we're it's first it's very westernized and we're not thinking about the countries that are not these countries mm. that are part of that are closer to us so we we think about it in a very like closed way but also how how haven't we put up things in place against like cuz there are good things about i don't know if there are but uh i'm i'm confusing my own brain uh I'm just like thinking about all the big, 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 big fortunes and how we are not able to do something about it. Mm. How we're not able to use all the billions from Jeff Bezos and help mm. people out. How can he yeah. have so much money and there's nothing that we can do yeah. to change that? Yeah, it's it's hard because it's like understanding that the the system is sort of like the people at the top of the system have so much influence over the systems it's like you know Jeff Bezos gives money to politicians and you know well I'm not sure if Jeff Bezos specifically he probably does he has so much money billionaires give money to politicians so politicians make rules which mean that they can keep making as much money it's all like a it's kind of a big old financial circle jerk right at the top (laughs) and it's hard I think I think realizing how powerless we are in some situations it's like i, I mean I, I for the last year i've basically not well i've been trying not to buy stuff off amazon yeah. just because it's like i my action is so tiny the amount of money but like it feels like it's one of the few little things i can do 
which avoids like it's as a sort of small tiny protest against the, the abuse of power and human rights that is uh, allegedly Amazon. I don't know if I can say. <laughs> um, you can bleep that one out if you want. <laughs> Redacted, but you know, basically, it's hard because it's like the same thing with like climate change activism. Is that um, you know, you can become you can become vegetarian or vegan, you know, which is great, and you can sort of use sustainable stuff, and you can not fly if you really don't want to and you can do all this stuff um if you have these have the option to obviously but at the end of the day still the biggest co2 emissions aren't from individuals it's from companies it's from companies mass producing stuff so it's sort of like (laughs) it feels like it's you have to do something you know just to make yourself feel you know, it's like something you can do, which, you know, makes you feel better and does have a small change. But, you you know, the problem is we have to basically try and campaign and find a way to kind of make massive changes at the top, which we have no access to, which I think is the current political yeah. predicament of most things, of like most parties and activists is like, how do we get the sort of thing which is like so far away from us? We do all this stuff in the hope that if enough consumers do it, it will drive them to change. But it is hard. <laughs> I don't and it is I hard. don't know how effective it is all of the time. Yeah, it's true. And it's like if you really do go, because like yeah, I have been trying not to buy stuff from Amazon. I've recently I I, I am a vegetarian and I used to consume the um, Oatly stuff because they're good and I've recently found out he's one of the biggest money persons for Trump for the Trump campaign so I stopped buying Oatly stuff. Yeah, that was stuff. so that was so gutting when I found that out. I like I like oat milk. <laughs> so now I was like, oh, now I'm going to have to find another just when they'd started like they just become the big brand in supermarkets and like they yeah. started doing like even oat milk cream which i wanted to try and then it was like oh now we're gonna have to try and find another brand god damn it. <laughs> yeah but when you really do start to like try and find alternatives mm. like in clothing for instance whenever you try to find an alternative you find out there is an issue with almost everything yeah, you everyone can is buy. a problematic fave at this point you're like yeah. oh god's sake <laughs> yeah you can't stop consuming altogether but again as you said it's not like it feels yeah, as, very I, I think as the old saying goes there's no ethical consumption under capitalism <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but then you are the one person, maybe two, maybe five people will do that and there no change will happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very hard to to understand how like to make real change. Mm. Which also like and some of it is seemingly obvious once you understand it, understand that it's happening like the police that you've mentioned before. I think there had been clues in my life that uh, made me think that hmm, maybe they're not really working for the communities. Mm. Like I was robbed last year uh, or yeah, last year and they didn't do anything. I was robbed in Soho and they said they couldn't check the CCTV. Mm. Yeah, that happened. My friend um, with her backpack got stolen in King's Cross. They just said, oh, we can't access that for some reason. Uh. And it's like it feel, and you know that there's like especially in America, but I feel like all over the world, mm. rape cases are not uh, looked mm. into. So are are they really working for the community or or not? So yeah, 
th- there were those clues before mm. all of these. Yeah, it's it was really real. interesting and- actually because I hadn't like I hadn't even I like I didn't even know there was like a possibility of like a world without policing until that happened. And actually it was it was quite radical as a moment to realise that actually this system is completely broken but there is a possibility of an alternative and like you know, which academics have espoused. Because I I actually got into an argument with someone on Facebook because someone I was in my A level class, like an A level class with, was like posted a thing saying blue lives matter and I was like oh, and you know, she was white and I'm white <laughs> um, but I did comment, I was like, I think that's missing the point. No one's saying that policemen should die, it just needs that the system needs restructuring to best fit the needs of communities because what there is isn't working i mean i'm sure i wasn't as eloquent as that on my (laughs) facebook status and basically it went into a raid before i was blocked which was a facebook first for me um that did feel quite (laughs) not um so brave for posting on facebook um but normally i try and stay out of online arguments if i can (laughs) technically i think i've still got beef with a rapper on twitter but um (laughs) after that incident I was like I'm staying out of it but at that moment it was it was seeing all of the stuff that had been posted and it's like you know yes it's maybe just one ignorant girl from Cornwall but you know what like it shouldn't be up to like if a person of colour sees this you know it shouldn't be up to them to always have to argue against stupid stuff like that you know I have to do my bit (laughs) Um, which is like a very 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 small bit but you know, yeah, we have to basically we have to do what we can bits. to try and live like try and be the best people we can. But we acknowledge that we do we live in a system that's broken and we can't live outside of that at this point. So we can only do what we can do at the end of the day. Yeah, until the system is overthrown. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's what I. This I, is I, the I radical podcast like a, a to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, and everyone listens to it, so I'm going to yeah, like, yeah, make a yeah. little change. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> but this is like a, a good point to end on, I guess. So there's only one last thing for me to ask you, which is if you have any plugs. Oh, yeah, sure. Who knows what I'll have. Basically, if you want to see anything interesting I'm doing, best thing to do is follow me on Twitter, which is at Ruby T. Martin. Or at Instagram at Ruby Martin Art. I'm going to be published in Potluck Zine, which is a really nice zine set up about food writing, and 10% of the profits go to the Trussell Trust, which is a red, really great food bank charity. So you should buy a copy because I think they'll still be on sale when this comes out. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's I think that's everything. Cool. Thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It was really fun. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me at, at @marianisbeats on Twitter and Instagram for all dowdy updates. As all podcasts will tell you, all rates and reviews will be super welcome. And do share the podcast with your friends or on your socials. Hashtag #dowdypod. I would also like to know your pics of people who, to you, are examples of bravery. Share them on your reviews or tweet them at me. Huge, huge thank you to Champagne for the podcast jingle and a bunch of other things that are in podcast related. If you've enjoyed listening to Dowdy, have some spare to give, and would like to support me and help me improve on my tech and skills, all tips are welcome through PayPal and Coffee. 
on at Mariana's Beats. I've been Mariana Pejda. Until next week.